are back. My apologies for the lack of an episode last week. I guess I should say I'm sorry. My wife always hates when I say my apologies. She says that's a lackluster way to apologize for anything. Just say I'm sorry. I like my apologies better. Now, this is the helipod, not the Mrs. Helipod. So I can say my apologies for no episode, but there was a good reason. We were on the road. Yes, for the first time ever, as things open up, the helipod hit the road first to Florida, where we got a couple of great episodes that are on the horizon, and then to Nashville, Tennessee, for our episode this week with Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. Vrabel, of course, took the Titans to the AFC Championship game in his second season at the helm beating the Patriots in Foxborough and the Ravens in Baltimore. We are going to get into everything, including that now infamous FaceTime call with Tom Brady and Julian Edelman that stoked the flames of those rumors that had Tom Brady coming to Tennessee. How real was that? Eventually, they ended up signing Ryan Tannehill to a $118 million deal. I asked him, at what point did he know that Tannehill was going to be the guy. And what about Jadavion Clowney? He's still out there as a free agent. Vrabel coached him with the Texans. Could he be a possibility in Tennessee with the Titans? And we get into his playing days. That's where so many good stories come from. Coming out of Ohio State as an All-American, Vrabel spent four years in Pittsburgh as a backup. Great story about Greg Lloyd and why he wouldn't talk to him for three months initially. And then he leaves Pittsburgh and goes to the Patriots where he became a starter, won three Super Bowls. Tremendous stories about his teammates there. Willie McGinnis, his head coach, of course, Bill Belichick, and <laughs> a remarkable uh, story when they signed Rodney Harrison. And um, I'm just going to let you listen to that one because that, that might have been my favorite one from the podcast. Also, a special visit from his son, Tyler Vrabel who uh, bursts into the room while we're doing the podcast. Tyler, of course, an outstanding left tackle for Boston College. He was a freshman All-American and honorable mention All-ACC player there last year. So I decided to put Coach on the spot and asked him if he would draft his son if he was on the Titans draft board in the exact same spot as an equivalent left tackle. You might be surprised how he answered that one. We start, though, with... All the turmoil that is going on in the country right now and how he is handling that with his team here in Nashville. It's the latest edition of the Helipod presented by Viore. So this has been anything but a normal offseason. Sure. I mean, just all kinds of stuff going on and... Um, you're dealing with all of it as the head coach of, of the organization. Obviously, first you have the, the pandemic and the coronavirus basically shuts down in-person off-season training and um, the Black Lives Matter movement, dealing with racial inequality, obviously a huge issue in, in this league as it is every sports league in America. Which one, um, when you had to deal with it was more was more of a difficult process the pandemic obviously longer the black lives matter movement more recent well we we deal with them all you know what i mean we deal with all these distractions and um the things that come up and they're they're not they're not distractions they're things that we have to handle sure um 
So there, there's never going to be one that's more important than the other because there's always going to be things that affect everybody differently. Uh, my job and, and John Robinson's job is to try to, you know, do what's best for the football team. We, we have a job to do and a responsibility to, to the team to, to have us prepared. And, you know, we'll continue to find out when that's going to be for training camp. We're going to continue to, you know, explore and find ways to not only individually but uh, collectively um, make positive change within our community. And so that will be intertwined with, with what we do as football players and coaches. Who do you lean on? Do you have a leadership council? You know, I do. It, it's an unofficial one. I think that there are certain guys that I'll go to for, for certain things. But uh, these veterans that have been with us for, for a couple years, I think um, we're starting to see things really through the same set of eyes. Um, you know, Kevin Byard has been great. Kenny Vaccaro has, has been great. Uh, ben Jones, obviously. Uh, Ryan. Derek. And, and there's, there's so many of them. You know, Daquan, Rashawn Evans is starting to grow into a leader in, in his third year. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is very uh, wise beyond his years of being a second-year player. You know, he's very mature. So, you know, I know that uh, there, there's plenty of guys um, that, that I can lean on. And then sometimes, you, you know, as a leader, you have to just make decisions um, with what you feel is best and, and be decisive and, and be thought out. In terms of the coronavirus, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I always have the mentality, don't get upset over things you can't control, right? And everybody's in the same boat. I'm, I'm driving in today and listening to the radio, and Dr. Fauci has said that the only way he thinks the NFL can play next year is to operate in a, in a bubble system like the NBA. This is the first time I'd, I'd heard that. Um, and obviously that, that could change, that probably will change. How do you, do you just you just have to wait? Like, how do you yeah, plan? There's things you, that I can can't. control and, and can't control. And the unknown is, you know, is not knowing when we're going to be back. Uh, what, when are we going to, how are we going to operate? How are we going to keep people safe? Um, you know, we, we have a job to do, which is to, to put a winning product out there, uh, to develop these guys, to, to make them better, um, but also use our platform to, to reach other people in a positive way. So until they tell us how we're going to do it, and we're, we're going to sit here and wait and make suggestions or, or talk about it or have things planned out um, like we do you know, for a lot of things that come up. You heard Harbaugh's comments? Mm -hmm. Basically saying the protocols now are impossible. Well, again, those were preliminary, and, and I think sometimes the NFL you know, likes to, you know, they put out some memos and then see what the response is. And, you know, I think what, what it was was, you know, it, it's hard to ask guys to social distance. And whatever they ask us to do in the building, we're going to do. And we'll use the indoor facility. We'll be as creative as we possibly can. Again, these are things that we don't know what we're going to have to do. But, but the, the whole idea of football is that you're going to go out there and, you know, you're gonna, there's going to be contact with players and there's going to be physical contact and there's collisions. And, you know, that, that's what I know that our coaches and players, the one thing we're experts at is we're experts at football. They're either experts at playing it or we're experts or as good as we can be at coaching it. Right. And other than that, we have to continue to educate ourselves on everything outside of, of what we know um, and what we're really good at. What's the right, is there a right number of preseason games with this situation? I, um, again, 
I have no idea to even go down that road yeah. and discuss what it is. If they give us two weeks to get the team ready, we'll, we'll use two weeks, and we'll use it the best way that we can. And if they give us seven weeks, we'll use seven weeks. That's always been our approach um, since I've been here. I think the team would tell you the same thing. Like, hey, whatever it is, is just just tell me how just tell me how long we're playing, how much we're playing for, and wh what the rules are, and that's what we'll do. Does this change your approach to three quarterbacks? I mean, I would think every team carries three quarterbacks this year because you have your starter go down with with you know coronavirus, you're you're in trouble. It, you know, those are things with the roster size that we'll figure out as the NFL talks to us. Um, I mean, I wish I could tell you I knew more than what I, I do right here today. But, you know, if they give us 60 guys on a roster, then we'll use yeah. 60 guys that we think are going to give us the best chance that if, if a guy has to go down and, you know, where, where you quarantine, what you do. And, you know, the, the more the players are around each other, we're going to have to deal with, with positive tests. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we, we've seen that on the – on the college level. Well, let's talk about the off season. It was never, uh, never slow before all this stuff. Um, I heard, uh, I think I heard you explain this on a Boston station. Um, the, the whole FaceTime thing with your, with your buddies Edelman and Brady, was that more laughable to you or were you irritated always, that it became it, such a story? It's always laughable. I'm in a unique position having played somewhat recently. Right. Um, with guys that are still playing in the league, you know, that either were teammates or friends or, you know, acquaintances. And obviously I didn't play with Jules, but I've become friends with Jules because Tom and, and hanging out and doing things yeah. in the off season. And so I think that's a unique situation. And there's a lot of conversations that, that I have with that former players that, you know, we joke and, you know, meaning trying to carry the locker room on well past our years of being in the locker room together. Right. Uh, and I think that that's what it was on a Saturday afternoon uh, in the winter. And uh, people made a big deal about it because, you know, the circumstances surrounding it. Well, just, just the whole thing was just a little ball busting. I mean, it was just classic that, Mike Vrabel busting chops. Yeah, that's how it goes. You know, somebody will send a text, somebody sends this, somebody, you know, right. and he'll FaceTime or... You know, that's what it was. And I was saw I mean literally it was going back and forth getting snacks at the at the combine. Like, you know, you could watch the players and then you got food back here and you just like make this migration from the snack table back to watching the, the, the combine workouts. Look up and see these two guys and I was like, Oh god, I gotta I gotta text them, I gotta say something and then they FaceTime me back and then we're talking and then I, I walk out of the, the dome and they're like Somebody's like, did you FaceTime Brady? And I was like, what, why? And they're like, yeah, somebody caught it. It's all, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> How, did you ever go down the road with Brady? Did you guys discuss it? We, John and I talk about every player that's available um, in the league that we feel like can help us. And, you know, in the end, you know, what was best for us was that you know, we bring Ryan back, and we were very interested in, in getting something done with him, and uh, and we did. You know, and so you know, there's a lot. Every there's a lot of free agents every year that we have conversations about. Tom's included in that group because he was one of those free agents. When his contract comes up and he's not franchised, you know, then we have conversations about it, and then we 
you know, made a decision to, to get Ryan back. When did you know that he was the guy? Well, I mean, obviously, you, you, we, we knew what, when he was playing, you know, that he was the guy. And that, I just mean, was there a moment? Was there, you know, your, your week 12, was there like, okay, I think we got our guy? Or did, you know, obviously you don't make that decision until the end of the year. I mean, I don't think there's like one particular moment. I, I think that, you know, watching him operate, you know, I thought the Kansas City game here, I thought the Charger game here, you know, coming in there right, you know, right after, you know, we made the move, you know, seeing him be decisive and be, you know, continue to, to lead and, and, and grow within our system, was, you know, was something that was, you know, really good to see. You know, I, I parachute in for the preseason. I do that. I go back, you know, do my other games and NFL Network and all that stuff. And um, being here for the preseason, I thought there's this Marcus's job. There's no way. And you guys had said that all along. And obviously you make a change because you had to make a change. But how, I just wonder how difficult that process was. And was it, it was week, you were two and three? Two and four. Two and four. Two and four. We didn't score a point in Denver. Uh, just, you know, we're just kind of stuck in a rut and, you know, the whole team, you know, I mean, we just, just needed to make a change. Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes that, that always, you know, the quarterbacks and head coaches usually go in the same sense. You know I mean? When things are good, right. they're, they're really good. When things are bad, you know, they're, they're worse. So just wanted to do what was best for the football team that I felt like um, at that particular time would give us a chance to, to get things rolling from, from two and four and find a way to, to, to make a run and, and, and continue to coach the football team and, and play well in the second half of the season. Just a spark, essentially. That's really what I told the media at the time. I said, just looking for a spark and you know, whether guys play better because there's a new guy behind the center, I, I don't know that. But, but we're going to all have to play and coach better. Um, from this point on. Kind of ironic that Marcus is in the identical situation now, or a similar situation, you know, in Oakland. And who knows it, how that's going to And go. he handled it well, and I think he admittedly would, you know, would tell you that he probably learned something from it, and he continued to improve on, you know, on the show team. And, um, you know, if given, an, he'll get another opportunity, and, and I'm sure he'll, he'll, take, he'll make, the, make the most of that opportunity. One guy, I mean, there's not much, you're going into this really dead time, you know, the, the only real dead time you guys have. And the one name out there, you know, obviously still on the market, you're very familiar with, um, and Jadavian Clowney, having coached JD. In, in Houston. Surprised he's unsigned? Uh, no, I mean, I just think that that's where they're at, his agent's at, JD's at, you know, when you ask for whatever they're asking for. And you don't get it, then you got to wait till you get it, or something has to move. And you know, ha not having the ability to bring players in is a, is another, you know, I think hurdle with with some of these guys that may have had off season surgery or had some procedure done or something that right. they maybe just weren't a hundred percent. You just needed to look at them, and you needed to have your doctors look at them, and. Um, that that's I think part of it. I think that's part of the you know hold up. And then you know there's there's always there's always a financial um, side of these things, these negotiations that that sometimes slow things down. 
if he's still around, you guys get closer to camp, he could be here, possible? Sure, sure. I mean, John and I are trying to do everything that we can to, to improve our team. And, you know, a player of his caliber would, would certainly um, you know, probably do that. You know, so we'll continue to talk. And, you know, I got I a lot of faith in John, and I appreciate his, his willingness to allow me to, in, you know, have input into the roster and have some of these discussions with him. I know you generally don't look back, so I'm only going to ask one real question about the playoff run last year. Sure. Um, because it was just borderline comical. But the, the, the bleeding the clock against the Patriots, you're taking the penalties, the, the, the loophole that Belichick kind of made famous. Did you, did you glance across the field and see how pissed off he was when that Stretch was going Stretch did. Stretch was upstairs. You know, my man Stretch, oh, yeah. right? So Stretch does a fantastic job upstairs. Uh, he's committed to, you know, to be in my eyes upstairs and helping me. And Stretch um, is like your assistant. He is. He is like my, my coordinator. Okay. Like, I, you know, I mean, it's not even fair to call him my assistant. Like, he's literally my coordinator. And he has a line to you during the game? He does. Okay. And he's knowledgeable, very, very knowledgeable on, on, the, on the rules, situations that him and I discuss. Um, you know, he does a lot for us. And so – you know, he's like, you got to see Bill. He's like, Bill's losing his mind. And I was like, ah, you know what I mean? I was like, it, it's all relative. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, listen, we, we, we got to finish this game off, and, you know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, it was only done four times last year. You know what I mean? And it was like, it's got to be the right situation. I would have gone for it, but we lost like five yards on, on third down. Like, I right. thought we'd run it and have – fourth to one or we could kick it or go for it and then then we lose a bunch of yards on a on a third down play so you know that's that's why we thought it was was the right time to, to do that situation but to there's, execute it there's a little piece of you that said this is this is pretty fucking funny that this well, is happening I to mean, him and it's me and it's the same thing he did to somebody last year i mean it's it's this is where we're at you know what i mean right. like i i've you know, I, I played there for eight years, you know what I mean? To go right. back there and to be on the bus and go on the, you know, leave the hotel and have the family there and Carter be on the bus on the way to the game and then, you know, him to go out there on the field that he was out there when he was six or seven years old and, you know, me be able to coach in a playoff game back there. You know, I was, you know, it was a – it was a really cool experience. Almost like a full circle sure. type experience. You know what I mean? Just that's spent a lot of time up there. Let's let's talk playing days. I like to get into everybody's kind of rookie year and the adjustment to the league. And um, you know, most of the guys that have done this this podcast have been players. So uh, you're you're the first coach we've done that we're going to get into playing days. Um, third round pick at Ohio State, ninety seven. You get drafted by the Steelers, and that linebacking core was. Filthy. I mean, they just loaded. had grown ass. Loaded. Man. Kirkland, Holmes, Lloyd, Gilden. Uh, you're talking about three of those guys combined for like 10 Pro Bowls. And I think it was uh, Nolan Harrison and, and Henry at uh, defensive end. What was that adjustment like? Certainly you had a, a high level of, of success at Ohio State. But what was that adjustment like to come into that program and try to fit in and try to get on the field? It was hard. It's hard. It was difficult. Um, you know, you come from from 
a lot of success at Ohio State, um, not only team success, but personal success. And you just kind of assume that it's going to be just like it was there. And you realize, like, it's not. And it's, it's harder. These guys are grown men, like you said. And, you know, they're looking for a position, played a bunch of different positions early on, didn't really know which one was going to be. Were you just bouncing back between end and, and line? Yeah, line I was like, I hadn't, the first year I just played across the line, played across the defensive line. Right. And um, how, how much did you weigh then? So they got me, they told me to gain weight. So I got, I was like fat ass, like 280. It was like, this isn't working. <laughs> but I knew just enough and I could play special teams. And then the next year switched outside linebacker. Didn't really know what the hell I was doing. And then by about the third year, it was like, okay, it's, it looks like something. But I still had to make the team based on special teams and you know, still had good players coming in or still had good players that were there. Greg Lloyd had transitioned on. You know, Carlos Emmons stepped in. He left for free agency for the Giants. Gildon was there. Joey Porter came in. And about my last year there, my fourth year, you know, it was like I was like the third starter, whatever that means. That's like the first backup. That's like the first runner up. That outside linebacker. Yeah. And so I'd play a series – on each side in, in first half and second half. And then, you know, that's kind of how it went. And uh, had free agency come up. Remember I had the Patriots offer me a signing bonus that was less than my rookie year deal. $225,000, I cashed in on a big free agency deal. <laughs> and, uh, but I earned a starting spot. I had, there was an opportunity to start where Bill Cowher admittedly said, Hey, Mike, I, I can't offer you what they're all – I can easily match this money, but what I can't do is I can't give you the opportunity that they're giving you. And that was, that was Bill's way of saying, it's you know, I, I think that if it was me, I'd go get the opportunity. Then you had to respect that, right? His, that sure, I've always yeah, yeah. said that to him now, you know. And we laugh about it now. When you, when you got to Pittsburgh, that first training camp, was there anything that – whether it was rookie hazing, whether it was the first meeting, whether it was in the first game. Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh, is there something Greg Lloyd out? didn't talk to me for like three months. Like I was scared to death of him. They drafted me. You go for the rookie mini camp. And, you know, you're over there. Then you go for the OTAs. And, I mean, Dermani Dawson couldn't have been nicer. Tom Zach was there. Cordell was nice. You know, I mean, all these guys were great. You know, LeVon Kirkland was great. You know, Greg – Craig didn't say a word to me. I was scared to death of him. <laughs> so we go to Latrobe, and, you know, it's hot, humid. You're down in the valley in between all these, you know, little mountains or hills or whatever. And it's humid. And, you know, toward the end, first day of pads, get into a fight with a tight end. And, you know, we end up on the ground. I'm on top. And, you know, you're just acting like a moron. You're sitting there throwing punches, everything I tell our players not to do now. Um, and so they break it up, and, you know, you're exhausted. You finish practice, you go in there, and I'm just sitting in there. And this shadow comes across my locker, and I'm like, oh. And I look up, and it's Lloyd. It's Greg. And he's like, yeah, next time. And his deep voice, he's like, yeah, next time what you want to do is you want to take your hand up underneath his chin, underneath his face mask, and get him in the neck. And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, laughing, and he's like, what? what are you? I said, Greg, you haven't talked to me in three months. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to make sure, like, you weren't, like, some punk and that, you know, you were going to be 
good enough for this defense. And I was like, if I'd have known all I needed to do was get into a fight for you to talk to me, I'd have fought somebody in April. Yeah, we wouldn't have waited until July. And that, that, then you're in. That's it. And then, you know, you kind of, that's your, that's your welcome to the NFL. It's not the first time I've heard it. It's amazing, you know, don't be stupid. Why would you punch somebody with a helmet on? But when you see that in camp from a young guy, there's a certain level of scrappiness there that I think even the coaches sometimes like, okay, there's some, there's some fire. He cares, right? Like he, he cares. Correct. You know, it's, it's tell him not to do it, but then you see it and you're like, all right. Exactly. It's, you just have to have these things in camp. You know what I mean? Where guys, you know, it, it's, it's a violent sport. They're grown men, and it's, you know, guys are going to have to make a name for themselves. And so, you know, we talk about not fighting and, and all that other stuff, but, you know, it gets, it gets physical. It gets hard. It's, it's competitive. It's a very competitive league, and, you know, guys see that, and that's how it goes. So that's the rookie year. You get through your four years there. You leave for the Patriots because you, you have the opportunity to start. Um, and they had some, <laughs> they had some monsters on that defense too. I mean, you look at, you know, I know you're, you'll be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, but uh, I'm sure in the next couple of years. Five but, years, Danny. Look, Danny, five years on the ballot. <laughs> I, it's coming. It's coming. But you look at those names. It, Seymour, McGinnis, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy. Um, and then eventually, you know, Bruski and, and Harrison, I know they weren't there when you got there, but so you get there and your goal is to start. And, and what was that first interaction with those guys like? They, um, they had been there, you know what I mean? There was 26 new free agents that year and Bill had turned the team over. They were 5-11. and 11. So Willie was on the old guard, Teddy, Ty Law, Lawyer. Was that 01? Yeah. Okay. And I wanted to make the best impression. I had studied the entire playbook. I had, they had sent it to me, and I had studied it for OTAs, and I knew every, what everybody was doing and this and that because I was going to make you know, the impression. So we go up there, and we're practicing, and I'm making all these calls, Roy Lee, this, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. And we go into practice, or we go into film, and they're like, uh, uh, Rob Ryan was our linebacker coach. And he was funnier than hell. And we are sitting there watching film, and this is an old Foxborough Stadium. Right. And so he's like, yeah, Braves, he's like, uh, you know, right here, you don't, you know, may, like you, you're slipping or falling, like make sure your feet are under you or whatever. And I was like, oh, no, Rob. That, I said, Robbo, that's, that's not me. That's so-and-so. And I hear from the back, I hear Willie go, woo, like I was like selling somebody out, like I was like snitching. And I was like, oh. And I was like, point taken. So then after that, we were like, oh, stop snitching. And but it was like it was a good lesson that in my excitement to want to like fit in, right? I was like snitching on some other guy. I was like, oh no, that's not me. That's that's Brew or somebody. And Willie was like, boo. That is so. That is so Willie, dude. That is so. There's and we always worse laugh. And we always laugh about it now. But yeah. at the time, I wanted to crawl under my little desk that we had at the at the stadium. That's hilarious. Um, he Willie told me. 
that you had somebody on staff there that would help you dig up dirt on on your opponents. That so you were fully armed with a verbal arsenal before the game, so you could just go out of the entire game. So Chatham, Matthew Chatham. Yep. Okay. He uh, he would do a tight end report, and it would a tight end report included like anybody along the front. Little tidbits about this guy's past or what was going on. And, you know, he's like, well, if you want to use it, that's up to you. You know, he would talk about their strengths and weaknesses as a player. But then he would also have these other little things that you could add in if you felt like, hey, we need to, we need to add a few things in to enhance your performance or maybe take away from what this guy's doing on the field. So Matt did the old tight end report, we called it. Would you would you ask him to get a little little extra, like just? Uh, we never had to ask. He, he always, he always provided, had it. Yeah, he always provided it. He he always knew. Like he 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 was ready, and had all the ammo that we needed. That that defense. Those. How did? I mean, I know Willie, but there were so many alphas. I feel like on that defense. Why did it fit so well together? Well, I mean, I think we all just kind of figured everything out. You know, there was guys that. You know, Teddy, and I mean, Ted Johnson was there. We drafted Seymour, Ty Warren, you know, Ty Law. Lawyer moved on, and Rodney came in, and, you know, it just kind of worked. I mean, we all kind of understood what everybody else's job was and, and how we could make each other better. Um, and, again, it wasn't perfect, but, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was pretty good, and, it was good enough, and obviously what, what, what the offense was doing, and it, it just kind of worked. I mean, I just remember you know, Rodney coming in his first year, and then, you know, Junior ended up coming in there. And, but Rodney's first year, he came in, you know, we had maybe, I don't even think we had, you know, pants on. We just had, like, uppers maybe, and it was the afternoon practice, and Falk ran a, ran a route out of the backfield, and he caught it, and, and Rodney lit him up. Mm. I mean, he, he didn't take – I don't think it was like a cheap shot, but, I mean, he lit him up. And he dropped him, and Stephen Neal, offensive guard, comes over, guy who used to wrestle. He comes over, he's like, you can't hit him like that. And Rodney's like, man, you shut that. And he's like – You can cuss on the podcast, man. I know, but this is going to go out to the kid. My kids are going to hear this and all this other <laughs> stuff, man. You know, I try to be the best role model that I possibly I think can your be. kids have heard it before. I think you, see, fine. you see my kids. Yeah. yeah. Big tattoo weekend at the Vrabel, I, yeah. at, the, at the Vrabel house. Yeah. They both, I, I they go both away, get big I tats? go away for two days and they get. I come back when I get. I got sleeves. They all got sleeves now. Well, as long half as half of sleeves. As long as your wife's not getting the sleeve, then I think you're no, okay. she not. She, uh, you know, Lawan. You know, I mean, they 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 saddle up to Lawan. Next thing I know, oh. they got tattoos and so. But it. But anyways, he's ripping this old lineman. And then Skarnecchia comes over, and, Dante, and Dante's like, hey, why don't you shut the hell up, Rodney? The O-line coach. The O-line yes. coach. Grizzled, but he comes over now, and he wants to join. And meanwhile, me and Teddy are just standing here watching this. Right. And Skarnecchia says something to, to Rodney, and Rodney goes, I'll beat your ass too, old man. And me and Teddy look at each other. I said, I think Bill made a good signing with this guy. <laughs> I said, holy shit. I think, Bill, I think Bill made a good signing, and me and Teddy are just sitting there laughing. I'm like, he, he, he knocks Falk down. He wants to fight the offensive lineman, and he wants to fight the offensive line coach. 
<laughs> you know, and that was saying, he just, Roddy just played with his chip on his shoulder and uh, it, it was, it was a great addition. It was just, I just always remember that story. Like Rodney was going to come in and he was just going to prove himself to, to the team and to everybody on that defense. And he did. Absolutely. And it was, it was perfect. You know, but then, you know, we signed Kenny Vaccaro a couple years ago and Kenny had been on the street, you know, Kenny was out there on the street and that was when Sip went down. Yep. Sip went down and, and, and we signed Kenny and Kenny <clears> came in and I mean, I think it was first day. It already passed the, the acclimation period, and they were like, okay, here's your helmet, here are your shoulder pads. And there was a, a rookie receiver, 225 pounds or whatever, going to try to come in and crack him. You know, and, and Kenny lit his ass up. And, you know, I think everybody was like, damn, this guy's ready. This guy's here, and he, he's, he's ready and committed to play football, you know, and, and bring a presence. And he's been great and, and being back there with Kevin. Um, been fun to watch those guys the last two years, and and hopefully we can we can get that here this year. I'm always surprised by guys like Kenny who are on the street as long as they're on the street. I remember doing a Saints game and talking to Sean Payton, and you know obviously he's more of a uh, kind of a box safety and can take your head off when he wants to. But there's still good players out there, you know. Do, do, do you throughout your career has there ever been a guy that you're like how how is he still on the street? You know, it's just there gets to be sometimes a surplus of players and guys make, you know, teams make commitments to players and, um, you know, guys end up out there a little longer than what you would think. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how that how that happens, but there always is. And then, you know, you want to work with some young guys, but then you got some veterans out here that you think you know what they can do. But but you want to you know you want to work with some young guys and then there always ends up being guys that are available later and sometimes you add them to your roster uh, later than than what maybe people would have thought. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of where it goes. You make the draft, you have your your moves in free agency and, and your roster set, and you want to kind of see what that looks like before you go and you know maybe maybe add some of these veteran guys. Have you seen a guy that's better at doing that? Than Belichick and bring in a guy like yourself who didn't start a game in Pittsburgh. You play a lot, but you didn't start a game, and you immediately become a starter there and an impact player. He's done it with so many guys. I feel like who were on, you know, on Wes Welker's an, another example, right? He brings him up from Miami, immediate impact player. I mean, I think that's just what you're trying to do. You're just trying to add pieces to your roster that that you feel like are going to fit. From a personality standpoint, uh, with with what you're trying to do with with the culture of the football team, and then also, you know, at the end of the day, they got to be able to go out there and play, and right. they still have to be able to function. And uh, you know, sometimes you you make good moves, and sometimes you don't. You know, and that's that's something that Bill's done. But really, I'm focused, and I know that John's focused on on what we're trying to do here, and, and not so much what what they're trying to do in in New England. Well, yeah, I know that. You, you, well, yeah, you but just, I mean, you, just like, went into, you just went into coach mode right there with that question. Well, that was I did, a bad, because, so that was a bad question. That was a bad no, question. No, it's, it's just it, it's so unique. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like people are like, are you disappointed that you're not in the Patriot Hall of Fame? No, but I, I mean, I, I've gone. But it'll up be cool against when you get people. there. Yeah, but like, I'm not, I'm not focused on like that part of my life. Like, I gotta be focused on these guys in the locker room and these right. guys in our organization. And right. these assistant coaches and 
and everything else that's going on and not worry about what the Patriots are doing. Right. You know what I mean? I, hey, I, I, it, was, it was cool to have played up there, but I try not to reference my career. I don't want to see guys rolling their eyes about, you know, what I did as a player. They only, they only care what I can teach them and help them with now. Me talking about whatever I did in New England or, or what we did then, I would be the same way. I mean, yeah, Bill used to joke about the Giants teams and, you know, these guys were better than you guys. And I, but that was just Bill, like, joking. But that wasn't like Bill having played for the Giants. That was him saying, like, Lawrence Taylor's better than you guys. Like, no shit Lawrence Taylor's better than me and <laughs> Willie or Rosie or anybody else that we had. Like, you know what I mean? But I, I just don't want to – I don't want the players to look and be like, like, this guy's just up here telling us stories from the glory years. You know, how can this, what's he telling me now that's going to help us beat this team or whatever team we're playing? Is that because in the back of your mind, you're like, they know that. They know I got three Super Bowls. They don't need to hear it. That's not a, it's not a teaching point that helps them today. Right. That's not going to help them in this situation. That's not going to help them prepare for what they're doing now or what we think they're going to do in a red zone or how they're going to go tempo or, you know, what we think they're going to do out of different personnel groups or what look we may get defensively. Quick break right now to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Viore. Athletic leisure wear at its finest. I have been wearing this gear for upwards of two years now, and I absolutely love it. Uh, It is edgy, it's cool, and it is everything you need to work out, to hang out, to look great, to feel great. I love the material of their shirts, Uh, soft, easy, maneuverable, looks awesome. Uh, They have great hoodies as well. And their joggers are just flying off the shelves right now because everybody uh, working from home. So they're super comfortable. They also have what's called the Ponto Pant or the Ponto Pant in English. Kind of like a jogger, but not really. And then their shorts are just off the chain. Uh, In my opinion, the best shorts on the market. I love the core short. I talk about them every week. Uh, They have a liner. So you just slip them on and uh, they're good to go. VioriClothing.com. V-U-O-R-I Clothing.com slash Helipod to get 20% off right now. I promise you it's worth it. VioriClothing.com slash Helipod. V-U-O-R-I Clothing.com slash Helipod. 20% off now. Do it. I promise you won't be disappointed. Now back to the pod with Fred. How, I know you've been asked this question before. Um, you come in. Did you lock it? Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? I, what's that tattoo sleeve look like? Oh, that's not a full sleeve. That's just no. down to the elbow. Yeah. What is it? It's uh, St. Michael. It's uh, him standing on top of the devil. Is that, is you going to do any more color or is that it? Um... I don't know, I might do the rest of it. I kind of want a whole full sleeve, so start building off of it. What did he say when you first got that tattoo sleeve? Uh, he thought it was pretty cool, right? You like it. Yeah, I do. I like it. Yeah. I've wanted it for a while, so. Yeah. I kind of knew. Um, we're, still, we're still going here. We'll have a couple more minutes, and I'll give you, I'll give you Dad back. Uh, how, how, many, how much did you take from each guy you played for? A lot. A lot, you know what I mean? Going all the way back to Ohio State, you know, John Cooper, his relationship with the players, 
you know, Bill Cower, you know, Jim Hazlitt was the defense coordinator. He's our linebacker Has, coach yeah. now. And, uh, you know, my, my first defensive line coach, um, you know, John Mitchell. You know, I walked in there, and John Mitchell was the first African-American, all-American at the University of Alabama. And he coached D-line for the Steelers. And he's still part of that staff. And, I mean, he was a great man. And he was tough on you, but he cared. And he was he, he's a damn good football coach. And uh, that was my experience as an, my, my first position coach, like the guy that was going to show me what this league was about. And uh, I, I had, couldn't have had a better guy. And then obviously transitioning on to, to New England with Bill and everything there, but, but Romeo Cornell and you know, Dean Pease having been there and coached me. Um, you know, Dante Garnecchia and, and, and how he coached his position and on and on and on. Um, Bill O'Brien, I got to work for Urban Meyer, got, got to work with some great coaches at Ohio State, and then obviously Billy um, in Houston. So trying to take all those guys and, and take what you want and take what you feel like applies to you and then put it in your own you know, personality. What was more challenging, the transition from playing to coaching at Ohio State yeah. or, or to becoming a head coach? No, I think that that transition from playing to coaching was, was harder <clears throat> than, than this, you know, this transition, just because I think as a player you, you know and, and you can't just say, hey, just do it like this. Like what the hell does do it like this mean? Because as a player, you just kind of go out there and, you know, a lot of times, and I've been through this with Wes Welker when he wanted to get into to coaching, and now he's doing a fantastic job with the 49ers. But, you know, when Wes came in when we were in Houston, it was like, hey, just do this. Like, Wes, they don't just know, like, what this is. And I didn't know that when I, when I went to Ohio State to coach linebackers. And then, you know, Urban came in and, and, and forced me to become a teacher and have a progression and, and sit there and be able to teach 18-year-old kids um, what their reads are or what the technique is or how do they how you teach them you know no different than than Tyler going to to BC and being 18 and and you know coach you know he can't just listen to Taylor Juan say oh here's how I'm going to pass that like just do it like this well no like what is the technique how do you teach it what's the stance look like you know what's the first two steps look like what's the punch look like where's your eyes you know all those things that you just take for granted as a player so then that really forced me to develop and understand how I have to teach and how I need to explain, you know, things and, you know, and, and, and making the staff understand that this is how we want to do it as well. How long did it take you to get to the point where you knew you were getting through to the kids? Because be, being able to do it and being able to teach it, obviously, two very different things. Well, when you, when you have direct teaching, it's, it's easy because you're always asking questions. And we ask a ton of questions here. Our staff, um, I, I demand it, you know, because there's two reasons why we ask questions. One is because if you know it and you answer it confidently, it gives the, your teammates and your coaches confidence in you that you know it. Right. So they're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. He, he can speak it in front of 60 guys and tell us what the game plan is or tell us what his job is. I'm going to line up with this guy. The other reason is because if they don't know it, then we can fix it efficiently and quickly. We don't have to wait until the meeting's over or the next, and he says, or he makes a mistake on the field. It's okay to say, I don't know. 
But if you ever get done with a meeting and you say, does anybody have any questions? I guarantee you zero hands go up. Because one, they want to go get on their they phone. They want to get out of there. They, yeah. yeah. So like we don't say, or we try to steer clear. As of, Tyler's nodding his head, by the way. <laughs> we try to steer clear of saying, does anybody have any questions? Right. Because invariably no one is going to ask a question. But if I say, hey, Dan, how many new free agents were there in 2001 when I went to the Patriots? And if you don't answer 26. 29 is what I was going to say. 26, right. Yeah. And if you don't say 26, and I got to go back and I got to say, hey, Danny, hey, Bill signed 26 new guys that year, completely turned the roster over because the record was 5 and 11 in 2000. Right. So now, okay. It's it's okay that maybe you didn't remember, but I got to go back and I got to reteach that mm -hmm. the fact that that, and I'm just using that because it came up earlier in sure. a dollar. Yeah, we could be going over two minute in a team meeting room, and we could say, okay, the clock's running, or you know, what are we going to do here? And if guys answer, hey, we're going whatever this situation, boom, we got it. And if they say, uh. Are we going to, you know, we time out or clock in a, nope, okay, slow down. Let's look at the situation, reset it, and go back through. So we try to make that direct teaching where we're always asking them questions. Is it always the same guys getting it and the same guys not? Or um, is it different depending on the situation? It's different depending on the guy. But there's a lot of guys in there in that team meeting room when I know when I've got them, when I see defensive guys answering offensive questions and offensive guys answering defensive questions mm -hmm. that are like they're shaking their head like yep johnny's got it or yep you know and i you you know logan ryan was great you know what i mean i would right. look at logan and i'm like okay if logan knows this offensive question we got to make sure that the offensive guys because right. you know what i mean logan's right. been sitting there in the second row <clears throat> dialed in listen to these situations he knows how we should play it on offense and when the quarterback knows how Bayard should answer defensively we're all seeing it through the same set of eyes. Right. All right. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to let you go, but first I want to do a quick, uh, quick two minute drill. Okay. All right. How many timeouts do I have? Um, zero. Okay. No timeouts. All right. Two minute drill of Raves. You ready? Let's go. Derek Henry reminds you of. Ooh. Um, man, Eddie George, just cause I played with Eddie. Eddie was a workhorse. Um, but there's not a lot of guys that, that have, has his level of, of breakaway speed. This is right now. First guy who's going to be out of the team meeting if the fire alarm goes off. The guy that's running out the door. Uh, Lawan. Really? Save yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Burn the ships. I'm out of here. What about during your playing days? Um... I mean, it's got to be, you know, I mean, those kickers. I mean, ours would be Kern, Brinkley, Joseph, in all honesty, because they're right by the door. Right. Yeah, I mean, okay. they're out of that, there. That's an easy out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what is worse, somebody who talks too much or somebody who doesn't talk enough? Not as a player, just in life. Probably too much, because as a player, you can never talk enough out there. Right. You know I mean? You want a bunch of... Chatterboxes out there, so everybody's on the same page. But in life, probably talks too much. Okay. Sport you enjoy watching the most, other than football? Uh, baseball. I mean, when my son. Your youngest baseball, son's yeah. playing baseball, sure. Best athlete you've played with? Oh. 
Probably Terry Glenn. Really? Interesting. What about against? I mean, pure athlete. Oh my God, um, man, there's been. A, I mean, probably Tony Gonzalez. Okay. He, he could do a little bit of everything. What what uh, what was the last thing that you Googled? Um, you, you can look at your phone. No, it was flights. It was flights to. Uh, to go see my parents. Me and Carter are going to go see my parents after his baseball tournament. In Ohio? Yeah. One teammate you'd, you'd want in your foxhole? One teammate? Just one? Yeah. Um, I mean, Brew. I mean, we played next to each other, and that's, you know, but there's there's a lot, man. There's a lot on that team. There's a there's lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, I can defense. name a bunch of them. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, Brew, I mean, we probably, you know, we played next to each other. And, you know, I, I remember lining up next to him after he came back from the stroke. And, you know, I'm like, dude, this play, your first tackle, this place is going to go bonkers. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, they did. That's awesome. All right, getaway question here as, uh, as Tyler is standing here. A couple years from now, he's on the board. He's on your draft board. Okay. He's equally graded with another tackle. I mean, dead even. Dead even. I'm going to go with the other tackle. I don't think I'm going to put Tyler through that. As Tyler's nodding his head. Tyler's like anybody but, mm. but dad. That would be tough, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it'd probably be I mean, tough. it would be cool, but it would be, you listen to Doc Jen Rivers. would probably call and be like, under no circumstances are you going to draft fucking Tyler. <laughs> what, about, what about if John's like, we got to take him. It's a hometown kid. Everybody loves him here. I, I, would, I would probably defer to the other the other tackle. Yeah. For no. Tyler's sake. That, that would be a tough one. Uh, Vrabes, I appreciate We're it. We're going to joke a little with Luan. Luan's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm going to work with this guy. You're just going to replace, replace <laughs> me with him in a couple of years. And I'm like, he ain't coming and play for me. I, I, I think that's the greatest gift you could possibly give to your kid, to have him hanging around the facility. And I don't know if, if, if Luan's the best role model. But I'm just, they to, but to be, you know what I mean? They to be are. able to be around those guys, I, like, what a, what a life. I mean, I've always said that, you know, I mean, I was thankful that Billy and Houston and Mr. and Mr. McNair allowed these, these guys to be at training camp, be at practice, uh, to hang out with these guys, because that's, those are the, the they're going to learn and take more from them than they're going to take from me as their dad. And so when they see these guys that are great, you know, husbands and, and fathers and teammates, like, that's, that's the best thing I can teach them. Yeah, that's awesome. Brabes, I appreciate it, bro. A lot of fun, man. Yeah, that was cool. It was great.